the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It looks like uh, Congressman Hill is calling in. Let me put my headset on so I'll be able to talk to him, hear what he has to say to us. And uh, let's say good morning to him. Good morning to you, Congressman. How are you today? Good morning, Dave. Good to be here with you. Happy Labor Day week. Happy first Razorback Victory week. (laughs) Let's hope we got a few more of those coming up. Uh, before before long, I'm I'm sure, I'm pretty sure we'll beat Kent State. I don't I don't think there's going to be any problem with that either. And listen, Blinken makes a surprise trip, and we just found out this today is that he's over in Ukraine. How long do we continue doing what we're doing with the Ukraine, Congressman? Well, I think that. Uh two things that we have to keep in mind when we think about Ukraine. Number one, I don't think Putin would have invaded Ukraine had it not been for the failed Obama policies on letting him have Crimea, letting him have his way in in Syria. Secondly, uh, under Joe Biden, we drug out getting the Ukrainians the weapon systems they need. I mean, the United Kingdom was faster. We've seen foot dragging from Europe, like in Germany. And I think that's prolonged the situation. To now we're, we're compelled with a dug-in German uh, occupation of the eastern uh, German, I mean Russian occupation of the eastern part of the country that's uh, built a trench line longer than the, the trenches of World War One. So, um, the, but with that said, it is a lot worse to see Putin win there to the United States. This is a fundamental issue that uh, if we let Putin win there, he's just emboldened to do more. This emboldens China. So while I don't think it's been run uh, the right way, to let Putin win in Ukraine is a real tragedy, not just for Europe, but for the U.S. because of the precedent it sets with China and what Putin will do next. Has the White House told Congress what he's up to with sending Blinken over? Because, you know, Blinken just doesn't make up his mind to go to Ukraine. No. Uh, and I, we've already had, uh, we had a meeting on a telephonic meeting last week where lots of members were asking for the administration to come up and do a classified briefing on Ukraine. So I'm sure we'll do that when both houses are in session in the next week. All right. So we've got this going on. And in the same breath, Let's talk about Russia some more. Putin is meeting with uh, North Korea now. What's going on with that? Well, you've seen, uh, and remember, these countries don't care about European or United Nations or U.S. uh, votes or sanctions. Iran, North Korea, uh, China are all helping Russia. Uh, Behind the scenes, there are uh, Iran is sending drones. Russian officers have gone, I think, uh, multiple times to North Korea to talk about arms sales. That's obviously against the sanctions. It's against all international order. It's against the votes in the United Nations. But you're talking about nations that thumb their nose to the United Nations on a regular basis. Uh, and so uh, 
George Bush's axis of evil is coming home to roost 25 years later, 30 years later. So um, this is something that we've got to be cognizant of and how we're going to respond to it, I think, is a critical issue for the administration to consider. All right. So the administration told North Korea, evidently, that they would, quote, pay a price if it moves forward with a deal to provide arms to Russia. I bet you they're shaking in their boots after Afghanistan. What do you think? Oh, how about uh, shaking in their boots after uh, Barack Obama's red line? The same people who ran Barack Obama's administration are running this administration. And they failed to deliver on a red line in Syria, and that opened the door to 10, 12 years now of civil war in Russia with Russia and Iran as Assad's co-conspirators. And Obama provided no leadership when uh, Putin went into Crimea in 2014 without firing a shot. So I'm sure they're, as you say, trembling in their boots about what we what we might do there. Yeah, I mean, you can't trust them to mean anything that they say. Is that not true? A hundred percent. I mean, there's nothing, and I think President Trump realized that in his efforts to have a new uh, door open uh, with uh, North Korea, which uh, I supported when President Trump did that because we've been doing the same thing over and over and over again uh, since uh, the Bill Clinton administration. But I think uh, uh, Trump learned very quickly that, uh, uh, you know, the North Koreans are not serious about getting rid of their nuclear weapons or being a force for evil. So, All right, so... Last Monday, we had on uh, Comer from Kentucky. He brought us all up to date on the Hunter Biden investigation that was going on today. And I've got Fox News up in my uh, studio right now. Here's the headline. House GOP moves closer to impeachment inquiry. So how close are you guys to this? I think that will be something we talk about during September and see the uh, results of the Comer uh, investigations and where he goes. He's got now subpoenaing the uh, Secret Service records to see if he can find a pattern of uh, where Hunter Biden was and what meetings that uh, he was in. And this is trying to collaborate uh, the whistleblowers, and that's the key point, I think, for Jamie Comer is to collaborate that. Uh, Joe Biden was actively involved with Hunter Biden during his business dealings, and that's going to involve trying to subpoena additional bank records and additional witnesses, and I think that's top of the agenda for September for, for Chairman Comer. All right, so you got that going on. you you got the, trying to keep the government open, uh, you know, during this September time frame. You're trying to get the budget together during this. You guys are going to be awful busy, are you not? We are. We've gotten the appropriations bills uh, through the committees. We've now got to get them across the House floor. Our appropriations bills, uh, we wrote uh, the amount of spending in our appropriations bills slightly below the level that Kevin McCarthy negotiated with Joe Biden on the debt ceiling, giving room for negotiation with the Senate, which passed all of their bills uh, in the uh, so they're ready to go. Uh, I think uh, Mitch McConnell has said that uh, they're ready to start negotiating. So we are behind in the House. We only got one bill passed in July. We've got 10 others we need to get across the House floor in order to have the maximum ability to negotiate uh, with the Senate and get uh, spending for 2024 finalized. It's going to be a very tough 
uh, job, and I won't be surprised if we have a uh, short-term contending resolution in order to try to do that. So right now, it's you and the president and the Democrats going eyeball to eyeball about spending. Well, you know, a lot of people thought we'd put some of this to bed because we negotiated the debt ceiling deal back in uh, May, which set the spending caps, which had uh, the we were going to lower 2024 spending below 2023. That was accomplished. Then we we're going to cap spending to 1% growth per year. Those were all agreed to by both uh, the House, Senate, and Joe Biden. What we're actually debating now is that level of spending by department under that debt ceiling deal. And there's some that want it even lower, uh, but I think that's going to be hard to achieve. Why? Because we've already voted on the debt ceiling deal. So to cut spending in 2024 below that debt ceiling deal, I don't think anyone in the Senate is going to support that. And that gives Joe Biden the upper hand. Uh, so even if I agree with that, I'd like to have cut $4 trillion. We only cut $2 trillion. I wish we'd cut 4 But my point is that the Senate uh, has written bills to that debt ceiling agreement level, and Joe Biden, of course, agrees with that. So that gives them the upper hand in negotiating uh, with the House. So the best thing we can do is get these bills across the House floor, because in each appropriation day, day, this is so important, I think, to all of our listeners. In addition to the dollar amount for HUD, for housing, for example, you have our proposals for how to make those departments more conservative. So you have policy matters in these spending bills, too, which repeal some of Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden's policies uh, from their four years of being in power, two years in in Trump, two years in Biden. Nancy Pelosi ran the spending bill. So that's why you don't want a CR. We want to reverse course and have more conservative bills. And we may win some there. We may win some there in negotiating with the Senate. So that's why it's important for us to pass these bills. Hey, Congressman, it's Jimmy. How you doing this morning? Hey, Jimmy. Hey, hey, uh, back to uh, possible impeachment. I think everybody in the country, whether they're uh, Democrat or Republican, know that this whole Hunter Biden thing is dirty and that laws were broken. But the question is, is when we talk about impeachment, we've had this discussion before. Yeah. I think the American people, and I know I don't, I don't want to go through another spectacle unless it's cut and dried. Is Speaker yeah. McCarthy committed to saying, hey, if if we do this, we're going to have it nailed down that we're not going to have another spectacle. Boy, it's such a good point. I'm so glad you raised it because Pelosi uh, had told the press, you know, early in the Trump administration when you had Democrats who just hate, <coughs> hated Donald Trump said, we're going to find something to impeach him for. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. basically their attitude. We're just going to find some way to impeach the guy as a payback for, I guess, Bill Clinton. I don't know. Well, Uh, She said, no, you've got to have a real uh, official bipartisan reason for doing that with excellent documentation that's universally adopted, basically. That was her theme. And uh, she obviously caved to that and turned over to the radicals in the House, Adam Schiff, et cetera, uh, this ability just to impeach Trump on these two fake reasons for which there was no documentation and it was just misleading and now i think a lot of words come out on that quite clearly 
So this is why McCarthy is trying to set a high standard from leadership, which is to say to Jim Jordan and the Judiciary Committee and Jamie Comer, the investigator in the Oversight Committee, get something concrete, get good, solid information connected directly to something that's an impeachable offense. And yet we still have members that just want to, you know, impeach Joe Biden because he's, uh, you know, a terrible president and has bad policy ideas and is an idiot sometimes. I mean, this is what they're but this is what they're they don't like him. So they're just say we should impeach him because we don't like his border policy. We're going to impeach him because uh, his son's a drug addict and obviously uh, a guy who's broken the law, international law and domestic laws. When the whole point is, uh, you need to impeach the president for actions he did that were rose to the level of impeachment and get the documentation for that. So I really think you raise a good point. We all are uh, think Jamie Comer is doing a good job, and the uh, Ways and Means Committee, Jason Smith, he's the one who found the two whistleblowers from the IRS. It wasn't even Jamie Comer. It was the Ways and Means Committee. So we have every committee working on this to make sure we have an ironclad approach. And I think you raise such an important point. And I think it's, gosh, I think we need to get impeachment back to the purpose of impeachment and not make it be a political circus as it was during the Trump administration under Nancy Pelosi. All right. So the drumbeat has begun again about COVID, uh, Congressman. In fact, the governor of Arkansas posted this on her Facebook for the people of Arkansas. COVID lockdowns killed businesses, tore apart communities, and stunted our kids' education. And now they're talking about doing it again. So let me be clear. As long as I'm governor, Arkansas will never lock down. We will not close our schools, our churches, or our businesses. We will never make you or your children wear a mask. And we will never, ever have a COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Government should never loom larger than individual liberty in our lives. That's the principle our nation was founded on. And if the federal government ever comes to tell us to shut down again, my administration will fight to keep Arkansas free. All right. So that was the governor and what she had to say about this. The uh, president showed up yesterday wearing a mask. He came out to put uh, Medal of Honor on a former veteran or on a veteran, not a former veteran. You're either a veteran or you're not. And... uh, he put on a mask uh, just before that ceremony. His wife, the First Lady, has been found to have COVID again. The University of Michigan just announced yesterday that if you're a student at their university and you're found to be COVID positive, you can't stay on campus. you got to go home. How do we keep this from getting out of control again, uh, Congressman? Do we have him? Is the Congress? Sorry about that. Oh, we got you. (laughs) All right. I had it on on mute. Sorry. Um, Yeah, I think the the president probably took inspiration from that guy trying to swim across the Atlantic in that bubble machine. He wants every American to be in one of those. It's just a giant rolling mask, and it has the extra benefit of keeping him upright. Yeah, it looks like Uh, a hamster wheel. Yeah, it's, you know, what can I say? <laughs> you got to love Americans, you know. We, we were uh, just but, talking about that. Yeah, so. we were off here. <laughs> but look, here's here's the, the deal, this thing about that we're going to fight this 
the same way seems dumb to me. When we learned all those lessons in 2020 about what was effective and what wasn't effective, I saw where one school was saying every kid who comes to the university has to be vaccinated. Well, that doesn't prevent the disease. That helps people who are older have less symptoms. And uh-huh. so it doesn't seem relevant to 18-year-olds to me. And so all this, it's like we didn't learn anything uh, about uh, the disease, which is to take care of older people. Uh, and uh, I don't see any reason for us to go back to the failed policies of 2020. And Fauci's retired. Let's keep Fauci's approach retired. Can you guys call him in front of you again and go after him yeah you know i think uh you know i think he's a private citizen now which actually uh in some ways uh, i don't know he can't be compelled to come up there as a you know federal employee but getting him on the record of the energy and commerce committee and the ways and means committee which are the two committees that do health policy in the u.s i think would be fantastic because i think having a stark contrast and getting him on the record uh, three years later is important about what's working and what doesn't work. And because it was literally his policies, literally his policies that destroyed the American economy in March, April, May, and June of, of 2020. And, uh, hey, Congressman, uh, just real quick, the House doesn't have complete control, but what can the House do to prevent taking Americans' freedoms again? I think have hearings. I mean, you're right, we don't have complete control, but we have control of the microphones and the TV cameras in the House of Representatives. <laughs> and our committee chairman can do public panels and panels around the country. We have the ability to do field hear- hearings around the country and put perspective on this. You know, what, what is it somebody should do? If, you're, if you've got symptoms of COVID, what do you do? You stay home. I mean, this is, and, and on the, the point you said about Michigan, uh, every university president, I think, had a actually a good idea back during 2021 when the kids came back to school. They took an unused dorm, you know, and uh, had and just had single rooms in it. And if you got designated with uh, COVID, uh, you went to that dorm. And think of all the changes since the summer of 2020. We don't quarantine for 13 days. We go and we take uh, the the the, uh, the medicine if it's relevant for the person's case and they're in there for five days or whatever it is now so we've learned so much we ought to adopt our tactics to meet uh, what we've learned uh, from um, the pandemic three years ago all right we're out of time we appreciate Thank your you time have a good Y'all day all right we will try to do that let's get to bill o'reilly he joins us now here on the dave ellswick show All right, back with you, Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman, District 4, joins us now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Well, I think we'll reverse the order, and and to do that, let's start off by, here's the governor of Arkansas telling the people of Arkansas, uh, uh, Congressman, about what she'll do if uh, the government wants to shut down the United States again about COVID. COVID lockdowns killed businesses, tore apart communities, and stunted our kids' education. And now they're talking about doing it again. So let me be clear. As long as I'm governor, Arkansas will never lock down. We will not close our schools, our churches, or our businesses. We will never make you or your children wear a mask. 
and we will never, ever have a COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Government should never loom larger than individual liberty in our lives. That's the principle our nation was founded on. And if the federal government ever comes to tell us to shut down again, my administration will fight to keep Arkansas free. All right, so that was the governor on Facebook uh, just a couple of days ago. I wanted to play that for you if you hadn't uh, heard it yet. Uh, The University of Michigan has now told their students if they test positive for COVID, they're going to be sent home. They can't stay on campus. And the president yesterday showed up uh, at some events, not all events, but just some events, wearing a mask. And uh, the first lady has been found that she's got uh, COVID again, and she's been jabbed twice and had other things done uh, to keep her from getting COVID. Uh, From what I understand, COVID is not even being considered to be the danger it was when it came out a few years back. What's what's your thoughts here? Is this this the the Democrats trying to get everybody ready? I mean, this is a very pretty smart virus. I think you'd have to agree it all. It only shows up at election time. <laughs> well, first off, amen to what the governor said. I think she hit all the the pertinent points there about uh, you know not being controlled by some virus again and having uh, um, you know these mandated shutdowns and wearing a mask and um, you know mandated to take the vaccine. Uh, she, I think, she hit all the the points um i know there's a i've i've heard you know personally of a lot of new cases of covid and people being diagnosed with it and it you know it seems like it's going to be something like the the flu that just keeps coming around but i think life has to go on and we can't uh just interrupt daily life and the economy uh because of of covid we've i think we've learned how to deal with it now all right so uh, as far as as Congress is concerned, uh, have you heard from your uh, your speaker? Has he has he talked to you all about this yet? No, I don't think this is a. Uh, it, I don't think it's a major concern right now. I think um, people just realize it's out there, and um, there seems to be a, a bit of a flare up right now. But I haven't heard any kind of um, like real serious talk about any kind of shutdowns or anything like that uh, it may be something that the, the white house is talking about but uh, i think i think most people have figured out how to move on with life in the light of covid if if the if the president starts saying we need to shut down this or shut down that what can the congress do can you guys push back on any of that kind of stuff well we won't be uh, like you know, last time Nancy Pelosi shut Congress down. Right. You, know, you were having remote hearings and voting remotely. That will not happen. That's that is not even a remote possibility with Republicans in control of Congress. So, um, yeah, I guess Biden can shut down the the White House and federal agencies, but um, yeah, I think he's going to have a fight on his hands with Congress if he tries to do that. All right, so let's move on. I want to go to an international issue now. Uh, we all got up this morning and we found out that Blinken was over in the Ukraine. Do you guys have any idea why he's there? 
I found out like everybody else. I don't know <laughs> what what he's doing over there. I think he's, uh, you know, I think they're probably pushing uh, for more funding for Ukraine. Um, you know, it's almost one of those deals. If, if Blinken's for it, this gives you good reason to probably be against it. I think he's done a terrible job at the State Department, um, and I think that's going to be uh, uh, an issue when we get back to D.C. And I, I don't see Ukraine funding passing the House uh, along with any kind of a continuing resolution. Uh, I may be wrong, but I, I think that's going to. If it, if it does pass, it'll be in a separate vote. I don't think it can ride along with the continuing resolution. All right, well, let me ask this question about the Congress. You talk to fellow congressmen all the time. Is everybody there starting to get a little bit weary of the Ukraine and we keep giving them more and more and more and more and there doesn't seem to be any end in sight? Yeah, now you see... Uh, Kim Jong-un is planning a meeting or had a meeting with Putin to talk about supplying Russia with, with more of their weapons. Um, you know, I, I get the part that, uh, you know, what Russia did was wrong. And if, you know, if they take Ukraine, then the next step could be a, uh, a NATO country. So, you know, I'm cheering for the Ukrainians to do uh, to, to push back on Putin, but we have to ask ourselves how long can we fund uh, Ukraine's war? And I think that's why um, there's going to have to be a lot more um, conversation and a lot more accountability and some kind of a, a plan before any more funding gets a, approved for Ukraine. Hey, Congressman, it's Jimmy. How you doing this morning? Doing well, Jimmy. How about yourself? Doing Good great. Labor Day. Oh, yeah, awesome Labor Day. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear what you're saying on Ukraine, but I, I understand the importance of uh, Ukraine as far as strategic value and, and the importance of protecting NATO. And I think the American people don't mind funding if the funding is going to pay off. Where do you see the problem? We're giving them the money. Where do you see the problem that the money is being spent to win that war? Well, a lot of it gets back to the um, the aid that's been given and how much of it's actually getting to the, the people that need it. I think that was a, a big problem early on. Um, and it's just the accountability of it. I, as, a, as a member of Congress, I don't have like a good feeling and good data to show here's how the money's being spent, here's the strategy, here's where uh, things are going. Um, I was just reading uh, an article earlier today about um, the uh, social media strategy of Ukraine. And um, you know, somebody had gone back and analyzed all of the uh, uh, the tweets that they had made. And, you know, there's a, I guess in all wars, there's a propaganda war, but you, you sometimes, I don't think, realize that, you know, the messages you're getting may not be... Um, a, a stark reality of what's actually happening in the real world that you're you're getting fed messages uh, to try to push somebody's agenda and 
I think Ukraine's done a good job of being able to play on the hearts of Americans to, to create sympathy for what's going on. But at the end of the day, we're sending billions of dollars of, of U.S. funds there to fight this war that doesn't seem like it's um, seems like it's just a stalemate. The uh, it, it gives me, and I want to see if you feel this way. Your thoughts. It gives me an eerie feeling of Vietnam without our troops on the ground. Yeah, and the you know the argument that's out there is that our troops aren't on the ground now, so it's a lot better to fund Ukraine to fight Russia than if they go into Poland or some NATO country, where um, by agreement we would have to have troops go there. So uh, there's a lot to consider in it, but it's also. Uh, um, I mean, there's two sides to the equation. It's not just an easy, clear-cut uh, path to take on whether we keep helping Ukraine fight strategically and, and, or whether we let them go it on their own. Last question uh, on this segment, and, and that is you were talking about uh, Putin and Un are going to meet uh, North Korea and, 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 uh, and Russia. Our State Department now has said, hey, you know, don't be giving them any weapons or we just might get upset with you, North Korea. Um, after what happened in Afghanistan, you think anybody's really taking us seriously when we warn them? No, that's another thing that, um, you know, the damage that Biden did to our reputation around the world uh, with that disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan is uh, no, I don't think people are are taking, especially not taking Blinken seriously or or Biden. Um, it's um, you know, this deal with the energy part of it. When we talk about how we could combat what Russia is doing, if we would produce more energy and lower the global prices of energy, that would do more harm to. Uh, uh, to Russia's advances in Ukraine than anything else. So, you know, I don't know why we don't look at other strategies like that. But as long as fuel prices are high, uh, Putin's got the funding to go buy military equipment from North Korea and to buy it from other places and to keep funding his war in Ukraine. So there's there's other components to this that aren't being talked about as much in the debate that I think we need to really take a look at. And... Um, you know, energy plays a crucial role in it. All right, well, let's finish up our conversation this morning with Congressman Westerman. Congressman, uh, uh, Russia and uh, the Saudis have said they're going to continue their cut in production to drive up the price of oil so they can make more money. Uh, I would think that the, the, the president would understand if we took the, the plugs off of our own oil fields that we could make it very difficult for the for the the Russians and for the Saudis. We could drive the price of oil down. Um, what do you think happens here? Does does the does the uh, the Biden administration finally understand this, or are they so sold out on on this green, you know, New Deal crap that that they let the American people continue to suffer with high gas prices? No, they're they're all in. They're not going to do anything to relieve uh, gas prices unless there's still some oil in the strategic uh, reserves they can release right before the election, like they did uh, last time. But 
um, you know, I'm joining in an amicus brief or actually filing an amicus brief on the uh, Biden's failure to approve any leases in the Gulf of Mexico. Even um, there's been bills passed in Congress and they're not following the law and they've yet to approve a lease, a new lease in the Gulf of Mexico. So we're, uh, you know, it takes years to develop these uh, um, oil wells down there. So what we're doing is creating a huge gap out into the future of production from the Gulf. And they're approving very few leases on federal lands. And they're doing just the opposite of what we need to be doing to combat um, high global energy prices. And they're feeding right into the hands of, of Putin and Saudi Arabia and the rest of OPEC. Uh, they're making, literally making them rich uh, at the expense of the American taxpayer. And, you know, the hypocrisy is they say they're doing this to save the save the world with their climate initiatives. And emissions are going up when the demand for oil and gas is not going down it's going up exponentially and they're just getting it from different places that don't make it as uh, efficiently as we do that produce more emissions um, the emissions from natural gas produced in russia has 40 times more or 40 percent more um, carbon impact than gas that we produce here in the u.s because we have better technology and control um, we should be using our energy resources to combat these rogue uh, regimes around the world that are just sitting there profiting uh, because of our idiotic decisions by our current administration. You know, this was going the right direction under Trump, but it's just taken a 180-degree turn in the wrong direction uh, with this group. Okay. That makes sense to me. I agree with you yeah. 100%. All right, you get the last question there, Jimmy. Yeah, I was going to talk about this talk of impeachment, Congressman, and that we're one step closer. We talked to Congressman Hill about this, and while we all know what Hunter Biden did was illegal, and we all know that there's tie-ins and and we can see the truth, but how important is it for Speaker McCarthy to not make the mistake Nancy Pelosi did and turn this into a spectacle to not go that route until we have it where it's cut and dried, undis- indisputable. Well, it would just make uh, impeachment, it would cheapen it even more. I mean, the Democrats did uh, a great job of, of cheapening the idea of impeachment with what they did. Uh, and it would just it would be doing the exact same thing the, the Democrats did. And I know some people think, well, you got to do that. Uh, it's all a, a political Thing. I don't think so. I think I think there's like real evidence here that's going to come out with what Hunter did with with Ukraine and you know how is all that playing into this administration's uh, dealings with Ukraine right now? You know Ukraine's not a, uh, uh, a really an upstanding country that they're making themselves out to be, and the Bidens have been intricately involved in stuff in Ukraine long before uh, Putin invaded, but. Uh, with the LLCs that Hunter set up and the money being distributed to the family and, you know, the recordings with Joe Biden, I think if we give it time, we will develop the the evidence. I think Jamie Comer is doing a great job of that, uh, along with Jim Jordan and others. Uh, but I don't think we should rush it 
especially right now and tying that into some kind of a uh, government funding uh, that's just uh, I, I know the speaker will push back against it uh, but it is a privileged resolution when you move to impeach someone so um, I guess it could be a vote to table that if it if it comes up on the floor here and ready to and get underway I can't say enough I just love that camel yeah I, of course love that camel makes sense makes sense that we do this uh, I'm sitting here trying to get to the front page and it won't let me I am working on it there nope okay now I'm going to go over here now I've made it. now you made oh, it. I made it okay but before we talk about the front page of the newspaper and what a the story I want to kind of zero in on uh, here during this half hour is uh, there's a deal going down in North Little Rock right yeah and yeah. this is about a teacher yeah who, it's it's who it's, was falsely accused I've been I've been investigating this for a month. And so this is basically going to be a tease for when you get back from vacation when we're really going to get into it. But let me give the scenario, okay? So if a teacher at a school has sex with a student, I think he needs to be in jail. Period. the end, right? I think we've been pretty clear about that. So what what about a teacher who was falsely accused of having sex with a student. And that happens. Yes, it does. So what about that? What about how the district mishandled it, the way she was treated? And where does she go to get her name back? Where does she go to get her reputation back? What happens to the student who made the false accusation? Exactly. And what happens to the administration who didn't follow procedures procedures and how to investigate Title IX complaints? Because there's supposed to be all kinds of protocols in in uh, in place now this particular teacher uh, this story became kind of like common knowledge over yes. in north little rock that's the thing after after the teacher was put on paid administrative leave after the allegation was made fine okay it's a it's a protocol but then the story seems to spread throughout the whole school district so was there a like a drip 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 going on on as far as a leak about I, this story i think it came out pretty pretty sudden and so what about this what about a teacher who's falsely accused of having sex with a student and then you dig in a little bit and all indications are this was set up by another vindictive staff member oh, to get man. back at this at this teacher really yes and so then you have a district that by federal law okay federal law has to have people trained to investigate these title nine complaints and what if you find out that the people that investigated this complaint doesn't have any training by federal law and even if they did by law are they supposed to have training by law they're supposed to have to, if they're going to investigate and be a decision maker, you have a Title IX coordinator who takes a complaint. That coordinator assigns investigators and assigns what they call a decision maker. The investigators investigate it and they take their findings to the decision maker. Then that person pretty much evaluates everything and decides if it met the criteria or not or did it happen or didn't it. Okay, so what if you have a Title IX coordinator that signs that, 
to investigators that aren't trained by federal law, by mandated federal law to investigate these. What if you take it to a decision maker that's not trained and then they fumble everything? Federal law says you have to give that teacher that was uh, being accused of this, you have to give her all the evidence, okay, that you obtained. You have Complete to give discovery. Her, yes, you have to give her the investigative report. And you have to get provided to her during the investigation so she can provide witnesses or mount a defense. What if they never did that? What if to this day they have still not given her that investigative report? To this day, she does not know what the specific allegation was. Holy cow. So... What? I'm thinking some people are in some really deep kimchi if somebody starts digging a little bit. Well, I, I have dug, and we've got it. And so by the time you get back from vacation, a lot's going to happen between st- – we've already started the process yesterday. A lot's going to happen between uh, today and the time you get back from vacation – where by the time you get back, we're going to have it completely laid out. I'm going to bring you the laws. I'm going to bring you everything because this is wrong. Did you say that you had the teacher was going to be willing to come on? Well, we're, we're, that's the idea because wow. this teacher is very upset. And her goal, her goal in this is not so much for her. The goal is to make sure this doesn't happen to another teacher. Well, I want her to get justice, too. Oh, I do, too. And I want I want accountability because the district should be held accountable for not having people in these p- positions that are following federal law, that mandates Do you this. realize how much money this could cost the Little Rock School District? The North Rock, right. It could, it could cost a huge amount, and, and it should. It's going to cost the tax. If it, if it does yeah, anything, it, it costs cost the taxpayer. taxpayers that are paying it. I agree. Yeah. But this could be a, a multi-million dollar settlement. Because this is just wrong, okay? If you, you know, like we said in the beginning, we all agree, if you're a teacher that has sex with a student, I got no. That's wrong. No tolerance. Go to jail. You're mm-hmm. never going to get to teach again. Period. The end. But if you've been falsely accused, and get this, all this stuff is supposed to, by law, it should be prompt. So what if I told you that this got started last March, at the end of last March, and by by mid-April, the investigation was over, okay? She was on paid... But nothing's ad- happened. Right. She was put on paid administrative leave <coughs> in March, <coughs> excuse me, okay, of last year, okay, uh, Last March, okay? And so by law, it's supposed to be a prompt deal. So what if I told you that the investigation was over by, I think, April 12th? Of 22. Of, of uh, April 12th of 23. Oh, this year. Okay. Right. Okay, April 12th of 23. But what if I told you they left her in limbo on paid administrative leave without a decision till August 7th? I would say they found out whatever they thought they were going to find, they didn't find. They found that out in April. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But they and, and left. So her. now they're trying to figure out how do we see YA? Yeah, and so they left her wondering if she's going to have a job. Wondering because she's on pay. She can't even go to school. She can't set foot on the school grounds. So she doesn't know if she's going to have a job. All these accusations are surrounding. She's been branded a slut. Okay. Yeah, you've got all this pressure on her, and they knew the outcome. They knew there was not evidence by by mid-April, and they left her on paid admin leave without a decision, 
without anything till August 7th. Now, think about the personal hell she went through. Oh, yeah. During this whole period. When they knew that this was a completely false complaint. What did that tell you that it wasn't even filed by the student she was claimed to have sex with? Do they know for a fact that she's innocent? Well, yeah. They knew that in April. Okay, so they knew that, but they've never told her that. No, not until August 7th. And even the letter clearing her was, was suspect. But what if I also tell you the student she's accused of sleeping with mm-hmm. when they interviewed... Said that it didn't happen? No, it didn't happen. Okay. What if I tell you his parent was in there with him during the interview, and they said, here, take our phone. You can get all our phone records because there's accusations of text messages and stuff. I said, here's our phone. They didn't do that. No, what they, if I got, tell you? they got her phone, don't yeah, they? No. Well, she offered it to them. Yeah. Teacher said, here's my phone. Here, you can have my phone records. Uh-huh. They didn't, they didn't take the phone records. They this didn't take it from studio. This sounds awful So what fishy. it appears is, yes, what if I told you? That a, another student filed this complaint, and the student who was, uh, who was presumed to be the victim didn't even know anything about it until they called him in to interview him about it. Is this oh. getting crazy? Yeah, well, it's not, not only does it sound crazy, but the more you speak, the more d- deeper the chemistry gets for the North Little Rock School District. And what's going to be the key here is... If you have another teacher because of a prior incident with this teacher that they don't get along, what if that teacher put a student up to making this accusation? Oh, man. So when you get back from your vacation. Yeah, we're going to have a lot to talk about. We're going to have it all laid out. Got a lot to talk about right now. Yeah, we're going to have it all laid out. What's the school system saying? Anybody challenging this, the newspaper or any of the TV well, I can stations? Tell you, well, no, because you're the first one I've brought it to. Okay. So we're going to. But here's the deal. We've started a grievance process against the district, against okay. the Title IX coordinator, which is a policy at the district. Okay, I can already tell you that the superintendent won't do anything for resolution on this, so we'll have to appeal it to the board. And why not? Well, because they don't; they just won't. I mean, the, the, what? here's what the grievance is Look, asking Look, if they for. told me that, well, we just won't, that's not a good enough answer. Well, you have to, when you file a grievance, you have to, you have to, one, it has to show that it did violate a policy or, or law. We can show both. Mm-hmm. And then you got to say, okay, what will resolve this grievance? Well, this teacher's not asking... For anybody to be fired, she's not asking for discipline. Here's what she's asked for. She wants, number one, an apology from the district, a written apology. Uh, w- number two, she wants the district to admit that these laws were violated. Number three, this is where it gets into protecting the other teacher. She wants uh, the district to ask Secretary Oliva, Jacob Oliva, uh, of the Arkansas Department of Education to do an audit on all prior Title IX complaints that were handled by this certain Title IX coordinator mm-hmm. to see if they were handled properly or improperly. And for that audit report to be given to the board, she's asking that the board require from here on out the superintendent will review each Title IX sexual harassment complaint filed at the district will review the investigation that was done 
and put in writing to them that all federal laws were followed and everybody involved was trained. That's what she's asking for. Well, they can't prove that they were trained because they weren't. Right. <laughs> so, but we're saying going forward, to her goal is to ensure going forward nobody that this else goes through. happen again. That's all, that's all she's asking. Now, mm-hmm. does that seem reasonable? It sounds more than reasonable to me. Now, I doubt the superintendent is going to want to do this, and when he says no, then we'll have to appeal to the board. Now, here's where to get good. You're going to like this. Because if it goes to the board, we're going to request a public hearing. And so that everybody can see this. And we get to put witnesses and we get to question the. So when does this end up in court? Uh, It's supposed to, when you file it, it should be at the next. So it could conceivably be uh, this month, very doubtful, probably the third Thursday of next month before it would get to the board, which would be very public. Now, here's the other deal. With what we're asking for resolution, the board. When they have this, it'll be a public hearing. Usually they go into executive session after they hear anything to deliberate, like a jury goes mm-hmm. back to deliberate. Here's the key. On this one, they can't. They have to deliberate in public because you can only go into executive session to consider employment, appointment, demotion, discipline, termination, suspension. Not asking for that. So the board would actually have to deliberate this in public. About where did all the screw up occur? Yeah, and so, so it's going to be a big deal. All right, it's going to be a big deal. But I wanted to bring out that this morning so everybody can get in tune, so that when you get back from vacation, you know we'll ha- we'll be able to lay everything out. I think that will be the twenty seventh of September when we will be back together again. By that point, I will be able to come in here and lay it all down for you. Mm-hmm. All the documents, all the laws, and everything. But I wanted to get it out there because this this should really be a big story. Oh, I the, agree. This is wrong. This well, is yeah. just wrong. If, if they know that this is false and nothing's been done to vindicate this uh, this teacher, that's absolutely wrong. This is so stupid. There's accusations that this teacher had that student over to her house to swim in her pool. She doesn't have a pool. Oh, wow. <laughs> she doesn't even have a pool. <laughs> All right. So so get ready. This is going to be good. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back here in a moment. I want to talk about the uh, the Proud Boys. Oh, yeah. That's, I want to uh, talk about that because it really bothers me. Not that this person has been punished, but how much he's been punished and why people who did far worse things in other, at other times have not had anything happen to them. I mean, this goes directly to what we've been talking about on the show about of Lady uh, Liberty and Lady Justice, in fact, Lady Justice looking out from underneath the blindfold and uh, going after specific people. Don't forget about Pat Davis and saving some money on your uh, health insurance. Like, if you got a health premium right now, uh, just get a hold of Pat Davis. Either call him or text him and ask him how much he can save you. He's going to tell you he can save you 30 to 50% on your health premiums. He can lower your deductible and he can get rid of your co-pays. And if you have some kind of uh, medical uh, situation that you need coverage on, he can continue that coverage with the health 
premium he can get for you through his uh, business. All you need to do is to text him or call him at 1-501-605-6935 or visit him online at yourhealthplanman.com. All right, back with you. Let's move to a national story, which I think has uh, local implications. I I really do. Uh, Yesterday, former Proud Boys leader Enrique uh, Torrio was sentenced to 22 years in prison for, quote, orchestrating a failed plot to keep Donald Trump in power after the Republicans lost the 2020 election, capping the case with the uh, stiffest punishment that has been handed down yet for the U.S. Capitol attack. Now, he wasn't even there. No. All right. They arrested him before this happened because they found out that he was egging people on to do this. Uh, Torrio, 39, pleaded for leniency before the judge imposed the prison term, topping the 18-year-old sentences given to Oath Keepers founder Stephen Rhodes and one-time Proud Boy leader Ethan Nordine for seditious conspiracy and other conditions stemming from the January 6th 2021 riot. Terrio, who led the neo-fascist group uh, as it became a force in mainstream Republican circles, lowered his head after the sentence was imposed. Then he squared up his shoulders. He raised his hand and made a V gesture with his fingers as he was led out of the courtroom in orange jail garb. His sentencing comes as the Justice Department prepares to put Trump on trial at the same courthouse in Washington on charges that the then-president illegally schemed to cling to power that he knew had been stripped away by voters. Rising to speak before the sentence was handed down, Torrio called January 6th a national embarrassment and apologized to the uh, police officers who defended the Capitol and the lawmakers who fled uh, uh, in fear. His voice cracked as he said he had let down his family and vowed that he is done with politics. Uh, U.S. District Judge Timothy Kelly, who was appointed to the bench by Trump, said Terrio was motivated by revolutionary zeal to lead the conspiracy that resulted in 200 men amped up for battle encircling the Capitol noting that Terrio had not previously shown any remorse publicly for his crimes. The judge said a stiff punishment was necessary to deter future political violence. Okay, well and good. Guess what? I understand you got to give somebody punishment for this. I mean, I understand that. Here's what I don't understand. This man is going to be in jail for 22 years. This is a federal crime. He's he's not getting out early. He must do (laughs) at least 85% of this crime. Don't expect him to get any kind of of, uh, time out of jail early. I just don't think that's going to happen uh, at all. With that in mind, let me remind you about Black Lives Matter. Let me remind you about Antifa. 
And let's talk about what they've done here in our country. There are two systems of justice going on in America today. In Minnesota, after George Floyd uh, died, I'm not going to say he was killed, just saying that he died, because there's, there's a lot of open theory about what he died of. So let's just say he died. And everybody that was uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa went ape guano out there. They went crazy. They burned down homes. Uh, they attacked people. They threw Molotov cocktails. Uh, and, and, and Lord knows how much other stuff they did. Uh, they did stuff in Wisconsin. They did stuff all across this nation. Has anybody, has anybody from Black Lives Matter done serious time for what happened? I haven't seen it. Now, if you ask me, that's a major problem. We'll talk more about this. It's time for Sean Hannity. It's not on the on the level as the political prisoners, but if you think that that government can't take away your rights in 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 small communities, it's not true. We've talked about what Cabot's done with Missy Bosch and some others do, but this actually happened uh, last May, and I wrote about it, and I and I wanted to go over it because of the topics we had today. There's a a lady, Kimberly Harrison, in Bigelow, and the Bigelow School is now called East End. Okay, East End School District, and her husband, Lonnie. And apparently they had some issues with the staff involving some uh, things with their children. So I got word that they had been barred from the school district property, like Missy Bosch and Cabinet. So I did a little digging, and I got the letter that was sent to them by uh, Cody Keyes, a partner with Beckett, Billingsley, Keyes, who we talked about a lot on here, who represents the East End School District. So I started digging in, so I got the letter, and it says, Dear Mr. and Ms. Harrison, the firm, this firm represents the East End School District. We are advised that you have repeatedly engaged in a pattern of harassment of district board members, staff, and students. Your actions include, but are not limited to, making personal attacks screaming in the high school principal's office and central office on multiple occasions, yelling profanities in the presence of staff and students present, and you have consistently spread blatant lies on social media and other media platforms and made threats toward district board members and staff. Social media posts and emails by you have included naming students and staff in blatant lies and threats that are clearly intended to threaten and harass. Your accusations against board members, including accusations of sexual shenanigans, are a direct personal attack that has no basis in fact. Your social media posts and emails are defamatory. District staff are concerned for their personal safety and safety of, of students based on your actions. And... Based on that, Superintendent uh, Wilson uh, bans you from all district property issued 
uh, issue or all district property uh, this year through December 1st, 2023, at which time your access will be reassessed. Furthermore, the district hereby demands that you cease and desist from further contact in any shape, form, or fashion, including social media posts and emails with district board members, administration, or any other staff members. A plan for how you will be able to communicate with your students, teachers, and principal in the fall will be developed at a later date prior to school resuming uh, August 23rd. If, should you fail to comply with the terms of this ban, the district intends to take all appropriate legal action to protect its board members and staff from inappropriate harassment and you to assure that your unwarranted harassment and, def- and uh, defamation uh, ceases immediately. Okay? Now, when you, you listen to that, it says, you know, that's from Cody Keats, the attorney. Okay. All right, so when you listen to that, you go, whoa. That sounds kind of threatening to Sounds me. bad, right? Yeah. So I went through all her social media, and I didn't find anything where she had named students, threatened anybody, or any of the stuff they claimed. Does does she have uh, does she have social media posts where she's calling out the school and its administrator? Yes, uh, that's called the First Amendment, right? You may not agree with what she's saying, but she has the right to say it, right? But threats, harassment, there's nothing where she's talking about sexual shenanigans or anything. So, me being me, I said, okay. I sent him a for you. I said, and I, and I included the letter. And I said, please reference the attached letter. I want all records of harassment, threats, and defamation the letter refers to. Uh, and I want all detailed charges and Beckett, Billingsley, and Keyes invoices to the district pertaining to Kimberly Harris and Lonnie Harris in the attached letter. Okay, I went on uh, to get the uh, to get the emails communications between the Harrises in the district. Okay, right. So their response. Now I got the emails, which there was nothing threatening in the emails. Uh, all the email communications between the Harrisons in the in the district, they were complaining, but they weren't threatening or harassing anybody. And so the district's response uh, to the FOI was that they have uh, uh, they have no records responsive. So okay, all right, you're saying you're 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 accusing the Harrisons of making threats against you but you have no record of those threats you didn't file an incident report you didn't do anything okay but you say they threaten you but you have no record of it you have no record of them defaming you you have no record of anything you claimed and if all those claims were true do a prudent a prudent individual would be getting law enforcement involved right so they have no records responsive to that which means None of those records exist. So you're making these claims of so, harassment and threats. So what are the, where's all the harassment? Yeah, where's it at? You made these claims, where's it at? Well, they don't exist. So my point is, okay, now who's defaming who? Right? Correct. And so the other thing I'll go into is, look, now you're using Beckett, Billings, and Key as personal attorneys for defamation. If, if you're a government official... And you think I'm defaming you? You can't use your government attorney. No, you got to get your own attorney. Yes. So now you're using you're using uh, taxpayer money, money 
to to threaten to get send a cease and desist letter and threaten legal action for, uh, for defamation, which is a civil action that you would have to get your own attorney and fit that bill for to sue somebody. Yet the superintendent, uh, Heidi Wilson, is using Beckett Bill and Keith. So you want to go back to taxpayer money. What Cody Keys and Becky Bingles and Keys charged the district to send her that threatening letter, threatening the Harrisons, was $451.50. That's a $450 letter that the taxpayer paid for with nothing to back it up. With nothing to back up anything stated in it. Now, you may not like what Ms. Harrison says, and you, some people... You know, we're on her side and say, yeah, it happens every day. Some people are against her. Okay. You may not, even if, even if you don't like what she says, she has the First Amendment right to say it. So you're literally trying to tell people, at the, go to East End School District, you better not post anything about the school. Because we're going to get our attorneys, we're going to pay them taxpayer dollars to send you a letter to threaten you to cease and desist from making any social media posts about us. That sounds awful like just trying to shut you up. Yeah, and that's wrong. Well, yeah, that's taking away First Amendment rights. Yeah, and so I don't know the Harrisons. You know, you can go to her page and see what she says. Some of you going, you know, hey, she's smoking what she's growing. Doesn't matter. She has a right to her First Amendment rights. She doesn't have the right to harass anybody, threaten anybody, anything like that, or, or defame anybody, but she's not. It's not like she said, I think you should be dead. Yes. She's not saying anything No, like that. there's not one threat, not one shred of threat, no evidence of a threat. There's no evidence of defamation. You know, she's not on her saying, hey, this school board member sleeps with sheep. Yeah, right. You know, she's not saying that. But even if she did, it's you, you can't use taxpayer dollars to, to initiate a suit of defamation against her. It's interesting, and so I, I wanted to bring that up because we on the, we on this show and everything. I will take up even if I don't agree with what you're saying. I'm going to take up for your right to say it. And if government can threaten threaten her for saying what she's saying, then government can threaten you. That's right for saying what you're saying. Right. That has no business in for the in for the the superintendent to use the district's attorneys for personal matters well it's unethical no, it's sticks and stones as well yeah uh, this so, is not anything that is now why it doesn't rise on the level of what we were talking about at washington dc i think it goes to the point if you think local government won't try to use taxpayer resources to come after you no oh, they're wrong yeah. yeah they will they will do it all right forgot to mention this coming up at 10:05 today uh, Taylor Kane Matz will join us. She is one of the vocalists of the group Kane. And I will say this on the air. I know I've been very hard on the the then superintendent, Jared Williams, who's now in my county, Cleveland County. And I have to say that I have had a couple of really great conversations with him and good interviews. So just saying, you know, giving him a shout out for actually, you know, doing his job as a superintendent, answering my questions. Doing what he's supposed yes. to do. Yes. Well, we're going to see if that's the case over in North Little Rock. 
Yeah. We already know it's There's not the case. There's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> yeah. over there. Yeah. Well, you know, and I've asked questions like they. I know, Dave, you're very curious about the bus situation. Yeah, I want to know well, what's going you down. Well, you know, I, there's that, and then there's crosswalk problems over there. Kids, um, I spent three hours one one afternoon watching kids. That day, they knew. I guess I think they got a heads up that I was watching um, Sawmill Road, but then um, they've got a crosswalk issue to near um near where andy mayberry actually sits in his you know nice comfy office um right there um and i've just asked some general questions about the crosswalk i mean how innocent is a you know it's it's on a busy highway just some have i got any responses no ask five questions about the threat that they had no answers now they're ignoring all my questions as a reporter yeah i i sent a question to somebody over there, won't say who it was, included with was a picture of a wreck that occurred right across the street from the uh, from the school. Mm-hmm. And I have yet to hear from them. Yeah. The, you know, it's very, to me, with the flood and, you know, now they're going to say probably, it's very shades of Hillary Clinton to me. And I covered the Clintons for over 30 years. The whole thing, like, oh, there's a flood. Oh, where's the hard drive? Oh, the emails are missing. I mean, it's very, it's very much the, from that playbook and at that school, which is disturbing because I keep going back to the fact that they act like they're a private school, but they are a public-funded public. I mean, they, they act are, like it, they're a private yeah. school, huh? They do. Well, when you ask, wow. here's here's what gets you is when you ask very simple questions that should have simple answers, no reason not to answer them and then government agencies don't answer them, well, that gets Susie's radars up. Well, sure. Yeah. And, and, Absolutely. And, yeah. Because there's no reason not to answer that question, right? Any of those questions. Like your question was it to him, Dave. Was there any reason not to answer that <laughs> no. question? No. No. Yeah. And, uh, now, by the law, they this, don't have to. The no, simple no. thing is to answer it, and I probably don't ask another question. Well, that's me. Yeah. If you just Yes, if you just answer my yeah. questions, it may not be... I mean, it just may not even be a story. You may just go, oh, well, I was down the wrong path there. When you don't answer them and you don't answer them, you don't answer them about a threat, you know, something very serious, and you don't answer them about a crosswalk, which is a serious issue, but because a kid could get hit in a crosswalk, or our teacher, anybody, um, when you've got that, no no answers either. And then, you know, you have people having access to the board members like – you know, back in May with an illegal meeting that happened and that person got access, I can't get my questions answered and I'm pretty sure parents can't get anything from from the school either, then I, I can see parents' frustration and, well, yeah. and, and, and mine. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you don't pay their salary with your money to be ignored. Exactly. I agree with that. I think that that's completely. the whole thing. You know, it's one thing if you're asking like a, a Fortune 500 company and they don't want to answer their questions because, you know, they're a private company. But when it is public schools and public money and your kids Different are going. Different animal. Totally. So Kane is coming to Little Rock on October 1. You want to see him. And I will get, we're going to get a hold of uh, Stacy again. She's the PR person. And we'll set them up to come into the studio. Yeah. If they want if they want to come in and 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 have some fun. We're more than happy to have yeah, some we, fun. We can tell Taylor's our kind. 
Yeah, she no. is. She'd be fine right here with us. Well, when you've got, when you've got Mac, con- you know, I'm obsessed yeah. with Well, and if you got it's connections back to, yeah. to Muscle Shoals. Yes. Yeah. Oh, come yeah. on yeah. now. Yeah, that come goes on. back to my music. Have you seen, my, yeah. have you seen the network, the Netflix uh, special on Muscle Shoals? No, no. Oh, you got to watch that. That is fantastic. Yeah. You know who the artist was that first came to Muscle Shoals? Who? And, and found all of these sessions. Does Susie musicians. know? Well, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I've totally lost. I've been to Muscles Shoals, but I can't. So Aretha Franklin. Yes. Aretha. Aretha. Free way of love, baby. Yeah. yeah. She's the one who came uh, to Muscle Shoals. She wanted to get a little bit more of an earthier sound. And uh, they brought, and they had never played, you know, urban music before or black music. And she came in, and she's kind of played some riffs with them and stuff. And she said, they just right in front of her turned black <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't have any problem at all picking up that kind yeah. of stuff. and they i mean they've played with everybody yeah everybody i think i have seen this documentary that you're it's talking a, about i think i have if you love rock and roll music you got to watch that i think special. i have seen that it's really good i mean there's i mean there's a lot of different groups that have had big impacts there's only a couple of groups that probably had bigger impacts than those session musicians yeah. did for mm-hmm. Muscle Shoals. And what a trashy place that they had for so long. <laughs> now it's not that way. You go you go over to Mississippi, and uh, you're right off the swamp there, but it ain't trashy. Yeah, it ain't trashy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not trashy anymore. Their sound, though, when, when that song played, that's what I go back to. And she described it perfectly when you say, hey, you know, do you like our sound? Well, yeah, their sound is good, and once you get the sound, then people start listening to lyrics. I, I started listening to Hootie and Blowfish because I like the sound. Yeah. Now, after I started listening, then I started listening to the lyrics, right? <laughs> and uh, which, and, and but so when you if you want to get people to listen to Christian music, you have to have that sound. Yeah. Before they, you can start giving the message yeah. and the lyrics. All right, for you who don't know, I'm going to call on Aaron to go on the internet. Resurrection Band, Love Came Down, and go ahead and play a little bit about that of that, and everybody will get a good feel of what I was into when I was in in college, because that's when the Jesus Movement started. And uh, I I often visualize you in college. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really. And I'm sure. It don't they, if you don't know, Dave's I, about half hippie. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm, he's, he's, I, I, look, I I had hair at that time, really long hair, and I had John Lennon glasses. Maybe been a little I, oregano uh, in the uh, kitchen. Uh, and, uh, yeah, might have been. <laughs> might have been some. Third well, World Nation still not can't don't yeah. have grass. You he's know, got a Hawaiian shirt on. You know, people can't see that, but he's, he's oh, flamingoed yeah. out today. Yeah, I am. I got my flamingos on. Yeah. Did you find that, uh, Aaron? He's like, who? Res- looking for it. I'm having a little trouble. Aaron's still oh. sad, man. Okay. Aaron's still sad. Yeah, he's still he's he's still he's in his feelings bad today. Oh, he did. He's been I quiet. The Texas oh. Rangers are having a bad yeah. bad oh. run right now. Aaron's been moody, not they really talking. Are. They're having a bad run right now. So it's, he's in his feelings. True. It's, a, it's right. a rough time. All right. So anyway, we, we, if we can just get 60 seconds of it, it would give everybody a feel. Have you found the resurrection band? I'm typing <laughs> it up, and it's I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on it. Okay. Don't push him, yeah. Dave. 
Stressing them out. Pushing. Stressing. And Glenn Kaiser and them, I got to know them really well in Chicago. They live in a commune, a Christian commune, downtown Chicago, and they feed the homeless people down there. Oh, that's great. It's called Jesus People USA. You may have heard that name before, but they're very, very dedicated to to being the the feet and hands of Jesus uh, in the Chicagoland area. Good folks. Come on, it can't be that difficult. <laughs> hey, man, easy. <laughs> do you know how to spell resurrection? <laughs> yeah, I've got it. I'm trying to pull it up here. It's like okay. I said, I'm having trouble with my computer, computer being slow. Here. Okay. Yeah. What else is it's been one of those weeks this week, unfortunately. It has been tough. Okay. It's like one day off and everything All is right. we'll play it. We'll play it when we come back. we got another <laughs> half hour still to go here on the Dave Ellswick Show. A little bit of news for you, then we'll be back. And some res band coming for you in a moment. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 